everywhere to repent. Verse 31. Because he has appointed a day. I want you to note that very well. He had appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he had ordained. Whereof he had given assurance unto all men. In that he raised him from the dead. In other words, the judgment of this world shall be done by who? Answer better. He will judge the world by one man. Also bring it to our teaching. He will judge the church by one man. So it's good. If you and I will escape that judgment, that will go back to the way that man built his church. I need you to do a prayer. Lord Jesus. Uh-uh. Lord Jesus. Strengthen me to build your church the way you want it to be built. Open your mouth and pray in Jesus' name. He will judge the world by that man. He will judge the church by that man. And he has given assurance in that he has raised him from the dead. In Jesus' name we pray. Have your seat and may the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Today is day two of our conference. And uh, like we did yesterday, we are continuing this morning. Church Group Principles of Jesus. Yesterday I was able to give you how Jesus started. He came as one man, one twelve disciples. The twelve grew to seventy. Eventually they grew to approximately six hundred brethren, according to First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse number six. Then there was explosive growth uh, through the disciples in the book of Acts of Apostle. Then, even up to today, two thousand years later, the church is still growing. Impactful, and I told you yesterday that the church has survived kings, have survived emperors, have survived persecution, have survived corruption, have survived all the slaves of men, and that in the whole world today, the Church of Jesus Christ is still the growing, the greatest organization that is growing in the world, the greatest movement that is in the world. It is in every country, in every nation, in every tribe. You know the Bible says in the book of Revelation that by the time we get to heaven, every tribe shall be represented. Every tongue, every language shall be represented. So, that is why you and I must work for the growth, for the expansion, for the health, for the dynamism of that church of Jesus Christ. No matter the ministry that God gives to you, that ministry is not to destroy the church. If you have a drama ministry, a children ministry, a youth ministry, a deliverance ministry, a praying ministry, a giving ministry, a supporting ministry, a counseling ministry, it is not to scatter the church, not to destroy the church. Rather, it is to make the church healthy and dynamic. Because like I used to say, the only property that God has on this earth is his church. And he will not joke with the church. Of course, the church is not what the church should be. Of course, we see a lot of 
lot of corruption, a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors by human characters here and there. But that is not to discountenance what God is doing. You know today when I hear people who comment about church, about leadership, about problems, about crisis, about corruptions, about wrong ways of doing church that is most prevalent today, a lot of people conclude that where eh, God will do away with the church. I always disagree. Because even this time we are living, it's much more better. If you read one emperor called Emperor Nero, there was a time that all the Bible were seized. There was no more Bible. And there was a time, during the Roman papacy, when uh, the Roman church was ruling and reigning, during the time of the, <laughs> of the, what did they, the popes, that there was, during the time of Martin Luther, you know, by then there was no more Bible. The only Bible that is available was in the hand of the Roman people. Eventually they sold it to the Russian people, that there was no Bible. But, by then, and they want to raise the money. They used to build this Roman bas- Rome Basilica in Rome today. There was this guy called Tessel. Tessel. He's the one that goes about town selling indulgence. With a big cat running through town. And there's a certificate in his hand. Come and buy indulgence. Come and buy indulgence. And you buy the indulgence. He gives you the certificate. What does that mean? Once you get that certificate. You buy for, that is your certificate of forgiveness for the sin you want to commit tomorrow. In other words, if you want to kill your wife tomorrow, you buy your indulgence today. You buy your certificate today. All the things you want to indulge in, everything that is against the will of God, you buy the forgiveness today. But it was that time that God raised up a man, Martin Luther. The judge shall live by faith. The judge shall live by faith. And that one man, God helped him and he became a movement. Gathered lots of other good men around him and the printing machine was invented and somehow, somehow, through a miracle, the Bible was God. I mean, the only copy that remained and they start printing the Bible and circulate it around. And faith returned back to the church. God will never leave his church. Hello? But let me give you a warning. If you are a leader, that you are not doing the church the way Jesus wanted done, you are expendable. You know the meaning of that? God will take you out of the sin. God will retire you. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean you will die suddenly. You might not die. But you'll be there and you'll not be there. Oh, there are leaders like that. That God has retired them. You know, you remember King Saul in the Old Testament. 20 years when the Holy Spirit has abandoned him. 20 years when Prophet Samuel has prophesied that David is my new king. Saul was still the one reigning. So there are people occupying positions of leadership in the the church today. But in the real sense of it, spiritually speaking, God has abandoned them. May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. So a good point is that we repent and we do the church the, the way Jesus wants to do it. Now yesterday, I mentioned about five, six principles for you that Jesus followed. And I said that principles are much more better than methods and strategies and systems and tactics. Then I talk about, and I pick it from the onset. I start to follow them sequentially so that uh, you can get it very right. Yesterday, I said number one, Jesus prepared himself for ministry. Number two, he did ministry with purpose and vision. Number three, he drew from the wisdom of mentors, forerunners and leaders before him. Number four, he was a responsible and committed church member. It's not in your manual, but it's in my own. There's no law that says everything in my own should be in your own. 
That's why you call me Oga. I should be Oga somewhere. Jesus, Oluawa. Number six, Jesus. Number five, Jesus started with protective prayer, seeking God, and spiritual warfare. And I ended at number six that says Jesus built his life and ministry on the undiluted word of God, not on just one line of scripture. Is the whole scripture balanced together? That was where we rounded it up yesterday. Today I'm targeting that at least we can get to that ten I mentioned. So let's run ahead. Number seven, Jesus exemplified, epitomized, and demonstrated what he preached in his life. Jesus exemplified, epitomized, and demonstrated what he preached in his life. If you read Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he said, What Jesus began to preach, what Jesus began to teach and to do. What Jesus began to do and to teach. He exemplified his teaching. He was an example of godly, sincere, and transparent living. He lived in an open and simple way. He lived what he preached. He demonstrated love, compassion, truthfulness, obedience, humility, concern for others, and the fear of God. He demonstrated it in his life. Jesus is not the type that say, do as I say, but don't do as I do. No! He made himself an example to copy. An example to follow. What, what he began to do and to teach. He did them first before he preached them. And as he was preaching them, people can see demonstrated in his day-to-day -day leadership. Hello? He lived what he preached. The advice he was given to others, he was the first one that took that advice. You know today, we preachers today, the advice we give to others, we don't take it. When we mount the poopy, when we are in the restaurant, when we are standing before people, we can say a lot of things, but we never leave them. That's not Jesus. He lived what he preached. He was a, a real example of his messages. Now if you read John chapter, chapter 13, let's read it. Please, let's read John chapter 13, verse, verse uh, 13 and 15. John Gospel, chapter 13, verse 13 to 15. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Where? Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And that is the highest compliment which you should have. The disciple should be like his master. If I, your Lord and your master, have washed your feet. You know, there were only two times. Okay, that, this was the only time Jesus accepted that his master and Lord. All the while, people call him rabbi, master, Lord. He never commented. He never accepted. But in this very case, this was the first time, say, you people call me master and Lord. So am I. But I, your master and your Lord, I stoop low to wash your feet, to love you, to appreciate you, to accept you with all your weaknesses. If I've done that to you, do likewise to others. And you know, he told an example also, he said that the disciple is no greater than his master. The greatest compliment that can be given to you is that you are like your master. Ministers of God. That is the principle we must follow in the church today. Because our Lord Jesus, no man can accuse him of sin, of evil. 
or fraud or wickedness. It was clear. It was transparent in all those areas. Nobody. Oh, people say it's, it's, it's baptizing or it's healing people with the spirit of Beelzebub. You know the way he answers? He said, if devil cast out devil, then his kingdom has been destroyed. But if I cast out demons and devils and I do all this miracle by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is come upon you. He said, you accuse me that I feed the poor. I go to the house of sinners and all those things. And then when John came, he was not eating and drinking. And, and you say, eh, look at a man that doesn't eat and drink. And the son of man came, eating and drinking. And you say, he has a very good. He said, wisdom is justified of our children. No man can accuse Jesus that he defrauded anybody. And you know, there were only two other people in the Bible I love like that. Samuel. He said, whose horse have I taken? Whose money have I collected? And he said, testify against me. And the people say, well, light a lie. You never collect anybody's wife. The same thing, Paul. He said, we have defrauded no man. Oh, that's a powerful statement. And you know the way we defraud people today? Through G-Mix. Okay, don't let me talk too much. When we come to September conference, I will talk much on that. The way we defraud people today. But Paul said, we have defrauded no man. We have not taken any man's silver. This my hands have taken care of my knees and the knees of those who works with me. That is the principle we must go back to. Your life is much more important than what you do. The number one powerful example that we can lay is our life. One good example is better than 10,000 sermons. Today, if we preachers can follow this principle, we live what we preach. We practicalize them. People can see Jesus in us. I believe you, the whole world will be saved. You know, I often tell the story of a man, Indira Gandhi, the father of India, the man they call the father of India. The one who brought communism to India. I mean, brought uh, Hinduism to India. When he was young, he was a searching fellow. Spiritually searching. He was searching for what religion to follow. Eventually, he chose Hinduism. Some people ask him, why did you choose Hinduism? Look at what he answered. He said, when I read the Bible, I could have chosen Christianity. He said, but when I read the Bible, I love Jesus. I love his compassion. I love his care for the needy. I love his miracles. I love the way he takes care of the downtrodden. He said, but when I look at the life of Christians, it doesn't compare with what I read. He said, the Christians of today, I cannot follow their own Jesus. That's why he chose Hinduism. Our life is the Bible that people are reading. More especially when you, when you have that tag in your name. Pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, reverend, doctor, archbishop, junior brother of God. You know that's the next title. Junior brother of God. AG, assistant God. The power and the influence of your life will go much more than what you preach. You see during Easter, during Christmas, all these governors and all those things, they will say the same message to Christians that we should emulate the life of Christ. Brethren, the only thing that will not be erased is the influence of your life. Your property will be gone. 
your motor, your building, somebody else will take it over. But the life you live and the influence you exude, that's what will not be erased. That is the principle we should go back to. Today, in the last 25, 30 years, preachers have told us, your life doesn't matter. My brother, that is the heart of the matter. Your secret failings, your secret sins, will always catch up with your public ministry. Those things you do in secret, you think so that we never know, it's a question of time. It's a question of that. You can deceive us many times, but you will not deceive us forever. One day, what you are doing in secret will blow to the open. The way to live, live a transparent life. Live an open life. Nothing to hide. Nothing to be ashamed of. That's the best way to live. That's the principle we should go back to. At least you can tell your church, look, even if you don't hear my preachings, watch my life. The way you relate with your wife, the way you relate with your husband, the way you relate with your associate, the way you raise up your children, watch my life and learn a lesson. Well, how many of us can say that? And you know why people leave churches today? I'll tell you. People are not at quarrel with the church. People are only at quarrel with the leaders of the church. This is the way I say it. People don't leave churches. People only leave their leaders. Because this guy who left this church, he will go to another church. So they are real quarrel is not with the church. They are real quarrel is with their leaders. And you know most leaders, we don't want to admit that. We don't want to adjust our lifestyle. Hey, I can live the way I lie. You can't. You can't. If you are an ordinary person, you are not a leader, nobody is looking up to you. Yes, you can. But even at that, God will judge you. But when you become a leader, you put on the cassock, you carry the microphone, you are standing before two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. Wow! You have lost your freedom to do the way you like. Number two. Oh, number eight. Jesus called people to true repentance and discipleship from the onset. He called people to true repentance and discipleship from the onset. Look at that. In Matthew 4, 17, he said Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same thing he said in Matthew 4, 19. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Chapter 5, verse 12, he said, Bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. He kept on calling people to repentance, to discipleship, right from the word go. Jesus did not deceive people. He made the point clear. The type and the kind of people he is looking for from the word go. He did not deceive people. He said, I'm looking for people that are saved. I'm looking for people that love the Lord. I'm looking for people that will give their whole life. If I got to a point, he told them, if you love your father and your mother and your wife and children more than me, you are not worthy of me. I'm looking for radicals. That's what he made point clear. He did not the way we rasmatize and cajole people today. Oh, no, 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 no. Right from the world go. If you can receive it, receive it. If you can't receive it, have a nice day. But that is quite unlike our preachings today. When you see somebody that says the truth, they say, anyway, borrow. He can say, well, that man, that man, I fear his preaching. Why will you not confront the preaching? If you don't confront it when you are here, you confront it when you live here. 
That's why I quoted that ask for you. That he has chosen a day which will judge the whole world by that one man. So it's better we obey his rules today. He did not deceive anybody. He called people to true repentance and sacrificial way of following the Lord. He fought sins in the life of people. He fought sins. And you know today we preach in generalities. We don't fight sin. No. Ah! In our church, when last did you hear of adultery and fornication? Lie, lie. Lie, lie. We don't talk of that. When do you have to talk about uh, divorce and remarriage? Ah, lie, lie. We don't talk about that. Ever hair fire, gloom, do fire. No, we don't have room for that. We don't make the people offended. You know, it's like one night bishop. He was leading a meeting and they invite Shalaro to me. You remember Shalaro to me? You still remember him? That guy, that gospel song. May God raise up the man of God. Say amen. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you stories? Now, Solaro Chimu came there and sang a song. Sang this song about sin. That sin is terrible, sin is destructive, sin is this, that. People were sad and downcast and weeping. Then the Archbishop grabbed the microphone and said, What kind of nonsense song is that? You don't sing that song here. We are happy people. Hello. We are happy people. You know, recently I was teaching my class. I taught them. You remember, I taught that message. I won't teach you here. That the minister that Jesus loved, Jesus' favorite minister. All of us are ministers, but all of us are not the favorite of Jesus. There are sons, there are servants. There are servants, there are sons. There are sons, there are favorite sons. That's the difference between us. Some of us are favorite. And you know the level a servant can get to, a favorite will go better than that. Where a son will get to, a servant will not get there. And what a favorite can do and get, ordinary minister will not get it. I'll show you one example. Remember when Jesus was telling disciples, say, one of you will betray me. All of, all, all of them were saying, hey, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Now, Peter recognized that somebody is closer to Jesus than the rest. Somebody is his favorite. So he went to John the Beloved, say, ask him, who is the person? And John the Beloved, the Bible says, he always places his head on the chest of Jesus, say, oh, God, tell me now, who is among us? You know, ordinarily, Jesus would have said, shut up! I didn't tell anybody. He said, you are not to tell. But because he was closer, he's a favorite. He said, look, I'll give you a sign. Whoever I give this sword to, that's the person. It was only John that Jesus revealed the identity of Judas. Why? Relationship. And if you study church history, of all the disciples, John the Beloved was the one to die last. And in the eyes of they put out for fire their cooker. He refused to don. <laughs> because he was the youngest. History says he was the youngest. And he was the one who died last. It was where they banished him to. That they kill him, killing him. So they banished him to an island. Even at that island, the Lord was there. Showing him the book of Revelation. May you be a favorite. But let me tell you. One of the things I told my students, and I wrote it in my new book that will be coming, 
And that's the book we'll give as a free book to those who register for our September conference. Now, one of the things is that John was sincere. I mean, John the Baptist now is the favorite minister of Jesus. And this is one of his qualities. He fought sin in the life of people. When the, when the, uh, the soldiers came, <clears throat> and what shall we do? I said, stop accusing people falsely. Is that what police people are doing? And when the task collectors came, they said, what is our own sin? They said, don't collect more than they say you should collect. When people were coming, was giving them their own portion. Now your church, do you fight sin? Through your preaching in the life of people. But no, today, we preach in generalities. We don't preach in specific ways. Even when we see our people doing a lot of evil, we won't talk. Every Sunday is a happy Sunday. Every Sunday should not be a happy Sunday. Some people should come to church happy and go back home very sad. Not with the sadness of ungodliness uh, or righteousness, but holy sadness. Because we have rebooked sin in their lives. No, Esther, they will not love me. Which one is better? For God to love you or for human being to accept you? Jesus fought sin. He built a church that is rapturable. Number nine. Jesus displayed the marks of true leadership. Jesus displayed the marks of true leadership. He is the ultimate leader. In his leadership, Jesus built trust. He built confidence. He built compassion. He took care of his disciples. In his leadership, Jesus was a secured leader. He was never threatened with inferiority or superiority complex. Those whom he called, he welcomed them. And he took good care of them. Imagine Jesus going to the house of Peter's wife, I mean mother-in-law, and healing her. Most of us leaders, we don't have time for those who are under us. He is the ultimate leader. He raised others. He never killed the gifts of others. I'm coming there to tell you. You see how he commissioned the ministry of others. Jesus was a secure leader. And he learned to delegate. He sent people ahead of him where he will come. He did not arrogate every power to himself. When he see others doing well, he commends them. He was generous with praise. And he was miserly with criticism. But that's opposite of our own leadership today. In most of our leadership today, oh, we are insecure. Jesus was not an abusive leader. You know, one day I'll still write a book on abusive leaders and abusive churches. Oh, I remember Dr. Ichola, you remember you preached amazing message on that. That's about three years back. I'm still going to work a book on that. Because when I see the church across Africa, ah, there are too many abuses. We take advantage of the women. We take advantage of the rich. We take advantage of the poor. We take advantage of the respect that people give to us. We take advantage of their submission to us. We rule. We dominate. We corner them. We put them over under us. And we tell people, if you don't pay tight, I will curse you. You are an abusive leader. Jesus was never like that. He was the epitome of leadership. Like we are learning here. Leadership style of Jesus. He allowed people to rise and shine. You remember? His disciple came to him and said, Sir, we saw somebody preaching your name. 
We stop him. You say, Lila, Lila. This should be your first and last time you do that. He that is not against us is with us. Imagine Jesus was alive physically, and some people were preaching his name, and they never came to him. Nobody uncle. Wait, but he never stopped them. He said, Leave them alone. They are using my name. It's okay. I'm satisfied. And that was the same style Paul said. He said, I hear people preaching Jesus in a contentious way. And I hear people preaching Jesus of the same mind. He said, Of all that, I am happy. I'm happy for wanting that the name of my Lord is being glorified. But how do we do our leadership today? Somebody went away from us. Ah! We'll cause the person in dozens and in cartons. And when we hear that people that left us, they are not doing well. Yes! May God forgive us seven times. Number ten. May the Lord forgive you. I'm speaking, you are speaking. I'm saying number 10, you are saying number 9. Who says, stand up? No, I'm not an abusive leader. Sit down. <laughs> Hello. He demonstrated leadership. He knew that leadership, the basic motive of leadership, the basic principle that guiding any leadership position is to strengthen others. Leadership are meant to upgrade others. Leadership is meant to equip, enable, and empower others. Leadership is always about others, not about yourself. Unfortunately, that's not the way we do understand it in Africa here. That's how you see all our political leaders, everybody, they are there for themselves. Unfortunately, that has come to the church. But brethren, let's get it right because this is leadership style of Jesus. The leadership style of Jesus is you are there to equip, to enable, and to empower others. Not there for yourself. Equip them. Empower them. Allow them to shine. Allow them to rise. It's your greatest joy when others are rising. You know, I kept saying something of recent, and I'll keep saying it. I won't say it here, but I'll say it in the conference. There, there are two phases of ministry. I won't tell you that one here. The money you pay here can never cover that level. What is high level? You know? I can't tell you that one. I can't tell you. But let me say this to you. If you have been in ministry for 10 years and you have no son, you don't have a Timothy, you don't have a pastor, a leader that has risen and is doing ministry because of your anointing. If God saved, God healed, God delivered, liberated, grows up. And, become, and God called him or her and become a minister and is functioning well. If you don't have anybody like that after 10 years of ministry, you are doing a year year work. Your work is not paying heaven. Because if you use all of your life to gather members, people you just preach to, prophesy to, pray to, collect money, collect offering, and you are okay physically, heaven is weeping over you. That's not the style of Jesus. That will lead me to point number 11. Oh, number 10. Jesus raised lawyer, faithful, committed, and dedicated associates. He raised them. He raised them. He did not only preach to the crowds. He also raised associates. 
Jesus was intentional from the word go. He called men to salvation and to service with him. Two calls. Call them to salvation and also to service. That's the call we should do also. That's the principle we should follow. When people sit down before you today, you may be crying. Hey, my church is not growing. I only have two. I only have hundred members. Hundred is okay. Even if you have two, it takes anointing to bring two people. Not all them. God has called you to salvation. Not only that, He has also called you to service. Give them the two. You are not just to be SSS Christian, safe, sanctified, and satisfied. He called them from the onset. Once you are saved, you know the Lord. The next thing is how to minister to others. He knew he will need godly and loyal associates. So he set about choosing them. If you read Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, the Bible says he called his disciple and chose whom he would. He made selection. It's not everybody that comes around that can become your associates. Yeah. It's not everyone. If you read that Mark chapter 3 very well, the Bible says he chose them. He chose. He appointed whom he would and want to fail. Those who have the same value system. You know, I experienced that. I can say a lot on that. Hello? Every great work, we need. Dedication of lawyer associate. Remember, lawyer, faithful, available. You can see the quality of associate in our president that died. Yara Dua. Call on for okay. Okay, we are Muslim. Who killed Yara Dua? His immediate associate. I mean, uh, Headed by his wife. You know, if I have power in Nigeria, I will arrest that wife and put her in jail for the rest of her life. For God's sake, this man is a public man. He's the president of a 150 million people country. You don't hide him. But they did everything you need to hide him so that he will not leave that place. They don't want to leave that place, but they did leave eventually in a shameful way. They even hid him to the extent that even the number two man and all the top officers of the day did not know. Who knows? If they had known, they could have flown him to a better country. Even if he doesn't die eventually, his life will be prolonged. That's the power of your inner circle. And most of us, what is hindering our ministry from moving forward is that we choose every Dick and Harry, every Tom and Jerry. Somebody comes to you, I came from heaven yesterday. Even Jesus mentioned your church, sir. He said I should be here. And uh, I've been a pastor under Jesus, under Holy Spirit, under Baba God, in Francis Evangelical Holy Ghost, the Apostolic Church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if you are the foolish child, you say you are welcome. And you come to the pulpit on Monday morning and say, Praise God, somebody. Praise God, somebody. Our God is good. Say, Amen. Our brother is from heaven. Please come, 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 come. Even have a message from Jesus. You have destroyed that church. If he's from heaven, and the Lord mentioned me and my church, but that Lord have not spoken to me. Ah, uh-uh. She be my son. And if he's from heaven, okay, brother, you are welcome. God bless you. You have a lovely day. You see, in this church, we have a system. We have a process in place. You will need to go and join the new converts class. From there, you will need the new convert. 
From there, you become member. From there, if you are graduating, if you are doing well, and we have good report, you become a member, a mini, a worker. Of course, you know, he will be anointed and he will go. That's to save you from future heartache and tears. Jesus chose whom he would. Many hands make large work. Wrong and disloyal associates will always ruin your church and your ministry. Chose people. Chose people that have the same value system, that believe the same thing with you. So many people will show interest in your work. Especially God is with you and things are moving. And things are happening. Uh -uh. Failure, failure. I mean, uh, success has many fathers. Failure is an orphan. Book of Elders chapter 5, verse 29. The first one is chapter 8. This one is chapter 5. But the same verse. Once you are succeeding, things are happening. I mean, crowds are coming and uh, people imagine a lot. What in what? Money is coming. I need to stylishly and strategically they draw closer to you. If you chose them, <laughs> check up. All the people Jesus chose, they proved the wisdom of choosing them. Thank you, sir. Leaders must be intentional, must be prayerful. Jesus prayed all night, then in the morning, he chose his disciples. Even at that, he prayed all night, chose his disciples. They see one demon among them. They see one devil among them. Now look at my own working premise. If you pray all night, if Jesus prayed all night and chose his disciples, and yet, joyful, and there was still one devil among them. Hey, but you that you didn't pray all night, and you chose 12 disciples, you know what will happen? 11 will be devils. Only one will be from God. And people closest to you can slow you down. When you say, let us rise, they are, they are planning coup. You know, some associate pastors in a the church, they went to a mountain and they put a candle down. They put a candle down and they light the candle and they surround the candle. You know, they were praying, Father, as this candle is burning, let the star of our geo go down. So that we can take over his church. Number 11. Jesus was holistic in his ministry approach. He preached, he teach, he healed. He was holistic. He preached, he taught, and he healed people. If you read Matthew 4, 23 to 25, then Matthew 9, verse 35, he went to their villages, and to their synagogues, and to their cities. He preached, he teach, and he healed. Three. Threefold ministry. He blessed and built people for the Lord. He was not one-sided. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Taught people deeply about the truths of kingdom lifestyle. And they healed their sicknesses and their diseases. While he was reaching many and drawing crowds with healings and miracles, he was also raising few through deep teachings and discipleship. He did not build his ministry on the crowds, but on those few disciples that obeyed his teachings. And that's the principle we must follow today. You know, I come across people who say, I'm an evangelist. I can't teach. You are not like Jesus. I, I see people who say, but I'm a teacher. I only teach the word. I can't do revival. You are unlike Jesus. Of course, that may be where you start. But you must not remain there. I hear people say, I don't have the gift. 
to, to heal people. You are unlike Jesus. As you do your ministry, you must grow to those gifts. You must teach people lively teaching. You must preach the gospel. Then you must heal people. And I'll tell you how to heal people. It's very simple. I hope one of these days, the doctor will teach us how to heal people. Maybe that will be one of the courses before you collect your accredited certificate. Yes, Amen. But this is the process. Heal people is simple. Once you are praying, you are holy, you are living godly every day. Sunday morning, just preach on healing and miracles, signs of Jesus. Just be mentioning Jesus. Jesus healed them. Jesus healed them. You know that name, Eloh. He's doing something. And Jesus healed them. And Jesus healed them. Immediately they rose up. Ask people to come out. Don't be afraid to say people should come out. And pray for them. In Jesus' name, you are healed. In Jesus' name, if they fall down, praise God. If they don't fall down, no problem. In Jesus' name, you are healed. Come back, come back, come back. In Jesus' name, you are healed. If they come back, they say they are not healed. Say, let's pray again. Even Jesus prayed for somebody. And the person, I said, what do you see? He said, some men like three. He said, let me pray the second time. And if Jesus has to pray two times for some people, how about you? Huh? What's your problem? Hey, I'm not a healer. I need to go and invite somebody. Stop inviting anybody. One guy thought like this and he went and prayed for people in church. The person he laid hand on first, the person fell down. That the only time we could explain you are ready to die. Hey, but daddy, but daddy, oh yeah, come here. And they keep on. And God start healing people. You know what? If you pray for ten people and only two got healed, that's a pass mark. Continue from there. Just add some fasting, add some prayers. Because you can't heal anybody. Hello. Preach, teach, and do what? Have a healing Sunday. He is scriptural. Have a healing Sunday. People have a lot of sicknesses and diseases. Just make sure you fast and pray. If you have a healing Sunday, coming this Sunday, just make sure on Saturday, drink water in the morning, drink water in the afternoon, drink water in the evening, or tea or biscuits. Don't eat. And when you are coming to church on Sunday, if they greet you, just say, Amen. Amen. You are in the spirit. When you got to the pulpit, massacre the devil. I see you healed. Oh, that's I'm here drawing. I see you healed. I see you rising. Have you made it? Really? I'm here, you. <laughs> you know, all of us cannot be prophet like a prophet car. We can't see everything. But we can see something. When I was in my church, there's a guy like that who sees vision. <laughs> I went to God and said, Oh, long. But why my church long? Because people were going to him at their bar. You know, people want to know their future. So they were going to him at the bar. I said, God, God, please help me. Help me. This boy will take this job. Give me something. I didn't say give me like him, but give me something. Give me now, you know. So I came around as I was saying something. I said something. Somebody said yes. Ah. So I devised that code. That even if I don't see with my eye, I see with my mouth. And you know many times when I say things, the guy will come around and say, Sir, that is what I saw. Money show you have to be a well-rounded holistic minister. You can't just build a church on one side. That's why people take away your members. You know, when somebody comes to you for prayer, hey, sir, what did you see? You'd say I didn't see anything. Hmm? You shouldn't say that. You are blessed. You are healed. Hallelujah. Yes. 
Esther, what did you see? I see you rising. I see you shining. I see that God is with you. Though you should repent of your sin, but God is with you. Say me, ring, Ari. Shallow, ring, come. At least we can start from there. Have a holistic ministry. Do it by faith. One, gra- one preacher, he was concerned. He, was, he went to prayer and said, Lord, Lord, everybody, why is it that you don't answer everybody I pray for? Because he, he lay hands on people and do all that. And he was telling God, but God, you are not answering every, every prayer. You are not healing everybody. He went to fasting and prayer. You know what the Lord told him? The Lord said, you are proud. And stop that nonsense. Your duty, your responsibility is to pray. My responsibility is to answer. So you keep on praying and leave me to answer. I can choose anybody. Oh, you can see the example yesterday. He didn't minister to everybody. He only ministered to those whom God revealed things about. You don't go beyond the boundary of God. You keep praying and God will keep on uh, you know, some people say in this church, God doesn't answer the prayer of everybody. You are the one that will search out yourself. So long God, God answers somebody. Answer two people. Answer three people. If he doesn't answer you, you are the one that has something to sort out. Jesus was holistic. Number, that, number 12. Jesus met needs and solved problems. That's Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 to 4. Yes. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 to 4. The Bible says he met uh, a leper and healed him. Now I say, Lord, do you want me to be whole? He said, Yes, I want you to be whole. If we read Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to verse 16, the Bible says he went to a city called Nain. And at the entrance of the city, he saw a corpse being carried out with the mother following. What a wicked devil. A widow. Her only son. Dead. Being carried out. And professional weepers were weeping. You know Jesus came at that very moment. And said woman. Weep not. And the woman is surprised. Say this is my only son. Dead. You are telling me weep not. Jesus went to the coffin. Touch it. And the boy came back to life. And the Bible says. He delivered the son to the woman alive. Do you hear what the Bible says later? The Bible says the whole people were amazed. And they say, they start to bless God. Say, bless God who has visited his people again. A great prophet has risen among us. He met needs. He solved problems. Now let me say this to you. People come to church because of needs in their life. And there are basically two kinds of needs. Felt needs and real needs. There are felt needs. Sicknesses, diseases, problems, joblessness, uh, all sorts of vicissitudes, challenges of life. Those are their felt needs. They feel that is their greatest need, but that's not their greatest need. Their greatest need, their real need is salvation, forgiveness from sin, acceptance with God, doing the will of God. But you know the truth? They will never realize their real need until their felt need is met. That's why miracles happen. And that's why God will go out of his way to do astounding miracles. Because he wants them to feel the touch of his mercy 
of his power, of his love, of his grace. If they feel that touch now, then they can open up their hearts to him and they can come in. In your church, both must happen. Your programs, your ministrations, your counselings, what you do must be meetings that meet the facts and the real need. But you know the unfortunate side? There are a lot of ministers. All their gifts, all their ministration, everything is on the felt need of people. They only preach for healing, miracle signs and wonders and deliverance and what have you. They don't tell people about their real need. No, that's why Jesus met a guy was it in uh, John chapter 5. The man who had been sick for 38 years. After he raised him up and the guy was healed. He went and do visitation. I'll come to that maybe tomorrow. He went and do visitation. The Bible said Jesus found the man. And he said, see no more. Lest the worst thing happen to you. What does that mean? It means his sickness of 38 years was the outcome of his sinful life. So Jesus met the first need first. Then, when he met him again in the temple, he went for the station. Say, said, well, well, sin is your problem. And don't go back to it. Or else, you'll be worse than that. In John chapter 8, you remember, a woman caught in adultery was brought to him. And people want him to follow the law. And, st- and they want the woman to be sold, uh, stoned to death. Look at the wickedness of men. Is it only one person that do adultery and fornication? It takes two to tango. But they brought the lady. They abandoned the man. They forgot the man. And Jesus knew. And the Bible said he kept quiet for a long time. He was even writing on the ground. You know all these far people. All these okbele. One day soon that will do. One long that will do. She And he said, woman. Where are your accusers? After everybody had left. Because he shot them a question. He that is without sin among you. Throw the first stone. And the Bible said their hearts start to condemn them. And you know what he told the woman? I myself did not condemn you. But go and sin no more. He met all the two needs. Your church is not a church. Your ministry is not a ministry. You are not doing any work for heaven when people are not saved from their sins. If only they got under your ministration, healing, miracle, signs, wonders, restoration, renewal, revival, prosperity, motto, car, everything. If all the, that is their testimony, they are not doing the work for heaven. You must do the second one. As we fast and pray, I need power to meet needs, to solve problems. It must start from sin. Hello? Number 13, that's where I will. Okay. That's where we end it today. Jesus sought for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in his ministry. He sought for it. For the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in his ministry. If you read Luke chapter 4, verse 1, he said it was, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He fasted. After he overcame the temptation, he fasted and prayed. In verse 14 of the same Luke, he says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. There's a difference between the presence and the power of the Spirit. A good passage. In Acts chapter 10. Yes, sir. 
Yes, it's Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 38. How Jesus and I mean, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You know, today we mix it together. The Holy Spirit is present and his power. Mm-mm-mm. His presence can be in us. Why his power is not working. And we have the key to the power. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you are speaking in tongues. And you know I've heard a lot of tongues in my life. I've heard a lot of tongues as I move here and there. I've heard a lot of tongues. Both from heaven and from the sky and from men. You know my usual tongue. The one I joke with you. That's one. I heard another one not too long ago. Shanta Shunto Ababaye Ye. That's a good one. But they are from men. They are not the one the Holy Spirit generates. If you are really baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, you don't learn how to speak in tongues. You know, there are places, church, people learn how to speak in tongues today. One, I heard one the other day is doing baba baba baba. Morning boloma basi. You can have the Holy Spirit, you are baptized. But when you talk too much, you eat too much, you walk too much, you spend so much time with people out there, you eat, you go around, you lose the power. The power will only come back when you separated yourself in protracted fasting and prayers. Luke 1 says he was led by the Spirit. He has a presence. Verse 14 says he returned in the power of the Spirit after 40 days fasting and prayers. It is self-denial. It is dedication. It is seeking the Lord. Staying in His presence that the fire, the power will come over you. And when you get the power and the fire, it's not for your own self-aggardisement. It's to be a blessing to others. You know, in church today, we don't have the time to seek the Lord. Therefore, in so many churches, we have got other powers than the Holy Spirit power. Have you? And we have a lot of occultism going on in the church today. They don't call it occultism. They say you just it all with power. Thank God, maybe this prophet, he will erase my, my negative information about Ghanaian prophets. You know, I was watching him yesterday. I think maybe, and because it was brought by Dr. Etola, yeah. And when I see most of what he said yesterday, it is target. So in a way, and I ask people to psych him more spiritually. No, sincerely, I must tell you. Because I'm weary of Ghanaian prophets. I've read so much, I've seen so much of them that, you know, when you said the prophet is coming, I thought you are bringing him from America. Because when he started speaking yesterday, I said, wow, this is a Ghanaian. Let's see what he has to say. But thank God, thank God he's genuine. Thank God is real. No, we need to say that. We need to say that. Because almost everything he said yesterday, I could see that is the spirit at work. Because I know some of those things he was saying. Even the one he said about me, it's just a confirmation of what the Lord has been saying. And they are confirmation of my prayers. So I'm not in doubt into all those things. I'm not confused at all. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. The Bible says... 
My people shall long enjoy the works of their hands. They shall not bring forth for trouble. The days of my people shall be like the days of a tree. They shall not plant and another inherit. They will build house. They will stay there. So I'm the one that will enjoy the benefit of this work. I will not die before my time. Can somebody say amen? amen? Yes. But those messages are for us to know that we must pray. And when you are doing any work and the devil is not planning against you, you are not making impact. If you are really making impact, affecting his kingdom, he must plan. But the, Paul says, at my first answer, no man stood with me. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me that this gospel might be known and that the Gentiles may come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And he delivered me out of the mouth of the lions. And God shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory now and forever. That is my portion. And that is your portion. Say amen. Now what led me to that is this. He's a genuine man of God. And this is what we see yesterday. You can vouch for that. And I pray that God will touch many of you today. God will anoint him to see more today. So that your life will be imparted and affected powerfully and permanently in the name of Jesus. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit as well. But we can't say that in many of our churches today. We can't say that. I can't vow that for many preachers. I can't. I can't. When I look at some people, when they do things, hmm, I shut off. You know, when you are in the spirit, when somebody is talking in the spirit, you will know. How the spirit speaks to the spirit. Deep collect unto deep. I want to advise you. You want that church to be the church of Jesus? Go and get the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the source of all the power, the gift, the grace, the anointing, the impact, the transformation that happened during the ministry of Jesus and the apostles. Nothing more, nothing else. Stand up on your feet. And that's the prayer we'll pray. That the anointing of the Holy Spirit will fall upon us afresh. That the presence of the Holy Spirit will possess us afresh. That the Holy Spirit will take control of our life, of our church, of our ministry. Every strength power will renounce it. Hello? Look up at me. People will come to you today. Have at least occulty people. They will say, let's back you up. Uh, those of you, you remember there is a tape. On the Relu Jesu. Talking about how they give powers. I pray you will not be part of them. If the Holy Spirit cannot do it, let us die and go to heaven. Let's die and go to heaven. But you he can do it. It's because we are not seeking him enough. It's because we are not dedicated enough. It's because we are not taking time to be in his presence enough. Let me tell you one secret of power. And if you like, take it. It works. You don't need to fast for 7, 8, 9, 10 days. If you have that grace, praise God for your life. Please continue. Don't ever stop it. But you know what? Let me give you one. For you to experience power, let me give you one snippet. For example... This evening, you have a service and it's a miracle revival service. You know what you should do? In the morning, come to a meeting like this. Don't eat. Just come. Listen to all the messages. Soak them in. When it comes for prayer, pray. Don't talk too much. If you feel famished or feel weak, just drink water. Or at best, drink juice. Go back home. And if you don't come to this kind of conference, let's say it's not time for conference, stay at home for money. Lock up yourself in your room. Lie down there. 
sometimes sleep. Even when you are sleeping, Baba, Moshe Wambio. And when you wake up, Lord, maybe for an hour, sleep again. Read your Bible. Prepare your message. Move from the pulpit to the church. And from the pulpit, don't do the announcement. Let everybody do whatever, require everything. Just move to the spirit, to the pulpit. Start to deliver your message. And whatever comes to your mind, whatever feeling you have, say it out. For example, you are preaching, you are preaching. Suddenly you feel a sharp pain on your leg. Don't say devil. It's not devil. The spirit is telling you that there's somebody there who has a sharp pain. Just say, that sharp pain in your leg, you are healed in Jesus' name. Feedback also. Don't say God told me. Mm-mm-mm. You are going beyond your boundary. But just say it. Or you are preaching, you are preaching, you are preaching. Something is flashing through your mind that somebody is there sick for about 36 years. You have run here and there. Say it out. Say it out. Somebody is there. The Lord is healing you right now. Even though you have gone round and all those things. Yes. Receive your healing now. You will see it will happen. Raise up your right hand. I renounce every negative power. Over like my life and ministry. And I welcome the power of the Holy Spirit. Open your mouth and pray in the name of Jesus. Welcome the power of the Holy Spirit into your life afresh. Welcome the power of the Holy Spirit afresh into your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I welcome you afresh into my life. I welcome, I receive.